Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. The 2019 NFL Draft has potentially four first-round quarterbacks. I've talked about two already. Drew Locke out of Missouri, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. And today we're going to look at Drew, or I'm sorry, Daniel Jones out of Duke and Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma. Two more guy, two guys that, again, could be first-round picks. And the whole premise of this, of course, on Pad the Stats is taking a look at their fantasy value and taking a look at, you know, some potential landing spots for these guys, um, you know, in the middle to late first round where, where they will potentially land. Well, depending on how these teams view these players, uh, I'll give you a little bit of an idea of how I feel about these top four guys, how they stack up after I take a look at, uh, give you a breakdown of Daniel Jones's tape and give you a breakdown of Kyler Murray's tape. And then I'll, uh, like I said, I'll look at all four and rank them accordingly. Um, now, there are some experts out there who think Kyler Murray is the best quarterback in this class. Uh, there are some guys out there that think Drew Locke is the number one quarterback. There's people who think Dwayne Haskins is the number one quarterback. The only one I haven't seen so far I don't think is Daniel Jones as the um, consensus you know, number one quarterback. He seems to be a guy that's falling a lot to the Washington Redskins at number 15. So let's jump into this thing again. Much like the last podcast that I did where I talked a lot about the game film of Dwayne Haskins versus TCU, the Michigan game, uh, Drew Locke against Alabama and Georgia. I'm going to do the same thing here today is I'm going to talk about um, you know two to three games of, of game film on Daniel Jones and then a few games of Kyler Murray, uh, his game film as well. So jumping right into the podcast and let's start with Daniel Jones taking a look at the Clemson tape. So some of the notes that I had, well, if you look at the, the first thing that we need to look at is Daniel Jones is the way he was coached. And he's coached by David Cutcliffe, the head coach at Duke, who, if you remember correctly, coached Peyton Manning as the quarterback's coach at Tennessee and then recruited and coached Eli Manning at Ole Miss. Well, if you look at D- Daniel Jones's tape, a lot of the same things pop up when you compare him to the Manning brothers. Very active feet in the pocket. And... When he gets into his three- and five-step drops, everything is very, uh, it, it's fluid, it's it's precise, it's the the technique, everything is very, very sound. Um, you know, good arm slot, and you can tell that he's a very, uh, he has very active eyes in the pocket. What I mean there is he gets to his reads uh, on a, a majority of the time. A majority of the time, he gets to his reads very quickly. When read number one isn't there, he can switch, you know, f- kind of flip his head to the other side of the field and find his second and third reads very quickly. And a lot of that boils down to, again, the coaching, one, uh, kind of, you know, what he's been groomed to, to be as a pocket passer. And I think that, the, you know, those active feet, the quick feet, the, the ability to just think quickly in the pocket, it, it all shows up on tape. The other thing that I liked is he shows a willingness to push the ball down the seam. Now, on the other side of that, there's there, you know, with that kind of he had he does have a little bit of a gunslinger mentality. I will say that. He he's a he's a competitor. He's very tough. He's not afraid to push the ball down the field, down the seam, especially. Duke runs um, a series of plays where they like to to use uh, the hash marks down the seam, uh, vertical routes. Now he did show some inaccuracy on a lot of those passes, which is definitely concerning. Um, but you know, 
we'll talk about that a little bit more is the accuracy issues in general, some some accuracy concerns with Daniel Jones all over the field, especially down the field, right? Um, but I, I did like how quickly he got the ball out of his hands when throwing to the perimeter as well. I think um, going back to that, you know, just that active mindset in the pocket, that quick thinking ability, he moves his eyes back to the other side of the field very quickly. Then the first read is not there is another one of the notes that I uh, that I had on him from this Clemson game. Um, goes through those reads very quickly. And another thing is that I, I think this kind of flew under the radar a little bit, and I did not see this as much in the Senior Bowl. was very disappointed with him in the Senior Bowl. Again, it's only three days of practice. You haven't played with any of these guys. You haven't played with any of the coaches. All of the, the calls uh, coming in are all new. Um, but one thing that didn't show up was his athleticism outside the pocket, and I do think he's an underrated threat with his legs. Something that he's, he shows a willingness to do is, is tuck the ball and run when he's looking to just pick up a few yards for a first down. Uh, he can pick up 8, 10, 12 yards in, a, in chunks. He's a, he's a good athlete. He is a good athlete for a big guy. Um, I thought he you know threw the ball very well downfield, went outside of the pocket as well. When he moves uh, both ways, right and left, um, I, I thought he showed a, a, an ability and a willingness to throw the ball down the field. Again, I, I think some of that goes back to excuse me, that gunslinger uh, kind of mentality. He does have that a little bit. Not all the time, uh, but he it shows up for Daniel Jones for sure. And what I love the most, I kind of already mentioned this, but just the competitive nature. I think he's a big-time competitor. I think he's really tough, and he rarely, rarely gives up on plays. Now, some of the things that I didn't like, I did think that, you know, I, I said earlier, the majority of the time, he's a very quick thinker, but he will struggle at times at making quick decisions, and he'll take unnecessary sacks two to three times a game where he kind of takes sacks where it's just it's a head-scratcher. You're not sure uh, you know, why he's taking some of these sacks. I think he can get the ball out a little bit quicker. Um, now, again, let's preface all this by saying he's playing at Duke. Not a lot of great play playmakers on the outside. I think once he gets to the NFL, um, you know, hopefully— He's going to be surrounded by better playmakers, maybe not at Washington right now. I don't know of any real playmakers that they have in Washington if Jamison Crowder leaves. I don't like Josh Doxson. Uh, Chris Thompson is a threat, but he can never stay healthy. So, you know, I, I don't know if that would be necessarily the best landing spot for him under Jay Gruden. We'll see. Um, but I would love to see him around more talent in general. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get a look of that in the a look at that. Um, you know, when he's not in a Duke uniform, right? Uh, so that should that should help things, and maybe that will help when we talk about taking unnecessary sacks. Um, a lot of tip passes at the line of scrimmage is another thing I noticed, even for a big guy. He does have a long delivery and a, a bit of a wind-up. Um, I think that's something that, that, you know, NFL coaches, you know, will need to work on a little bit with Daniel Jones is just a quicker delivery, getting the ball out quicker. Um, and, and that wind up in general, that could lead to some, you know, passes on the outside, pushing the ball outside the hash marks toward the sidelines, you know, passes that in the ACC are not getting intercepted, but they're going to get intercepted at the next level. And then he, he you know, he's got to learn to throw the ball away when nothing is available. This is another thing that he did when he's outside the pocket, especially not throwing the ball away when there's nothing there. And finally, the accuracy concerns is something that I noticed on the Clemson tape, especially on the throws down the seam and down the field. I, d I did mention that already, but I wanted to kind of harp on that. And that's something that Dwayne Haskins, we 
uh, you know, we loved about Dwayne Haskins was was how accurate he was. Now, he also showed a little bit of inaccuracy on down-the-field throws, but overall, the accuracy really shows up. Well, with Daniel Jones, there is a bit of inconsistency there. So I would like to see more uh, consistency with, with accuracy in general for Daniel Jones. But overall, I thought he played well against, a, you know, one of the best defenses in college football in Clemson with, you know, a plethora of guys that, let's face it, aren't that good of, you know, options at Duke. Not a lot of guys that are going to play at the next level, if any guys that are going to play at the next level in terms of receivers and running backs. So uh, I thought he did pretty well with what he had to work with and, and a line, and a line, offensive line that, you know, let's face it, did not look very good at all um, on tape. Now let's take a look at a couple of the other games that he played in Temple and Virginia Tech. I kind of, you know, muddled all of these together in one page of notes. Um because I think a lot of these things really carry over with Daniel Jones, and you start to see with when with any of these guys, you start to see patterns in their game, um, some different things from one game to another, depending on game script, depending on plans. But but overall, a lot of the same tendencies show up. Now, a couple of things that on on top of what I mentioned in the Clemson game that I noticed, I liked how he stood in the pocket under pressure and threw down the field. I thought he he actually made better throws under pressure with men in his face, you know, and throwing with accuracy down the field than he did on throws where he had time and he could he could uh, you know attack man to man one on one coverage down the field. Um, I thought he was terribly inaccurate on some of those throws, but then he was accurate on some throws when guys were right in his face. I I think he shows plenty of arm strength. He actually throws a good deep ball in terms of um, just rotation and and. A catchable ball. He actually throws a really catchable ball. Again, just a little bit of inaccuracy when it comes to uh, pushing the ball down the field. One of the things that I love the most that I mentioned already was his competitiveness and team nature. Well, he is a team guy. Um, he he just you know he goes he picks up his teammates after plays. He is just a guy that looks like he will grind it out for his guys, and you got to love that about him more so than any. Any other guy, not a knock on any of the other quarterbacks, but I've seen it more out of Daniel Jones than anybody else is his, uh, you know, willingness to commit to his, uh, to his guys and fight for his teammates, and I love that about him. Um, again, exceptional ability to throw with pressure and face. I thought he showed that. I thought he showed good velocity on throws outside the numbers. Something else that I I, I saw in the Clemson game. I I just think that. Going back to that long delivery, that's something he'll clean to clean up. But the accuracy, the the arm strength, uh, sorry, not the accuracy, the arm strength, uh, the uh, ability to push the ball outside the numbers, I thought was pretty good. I thought he showed good touch on deep throws. Um, and, and going back to the very catchable ball thing, I just th- I think he does. He he throws a very catchable catchable football. Uh, and back to the escapability and pocket awareness. Um, I thought he showed good pocket awareness in a couple of these games where in the Clemson game, again, took a couple sacks that he didn't need to. Well, his his ability to get out of the pocket, step up, get outside when he needs to is is very good, um, and the athleticism certainly does not hurt when it comes to taking some of those, um, you know, taking what's been given to him from the defense and stepping up and running with the football. Now, again, some of the cons here, some of the things I didn't like, he does tend to get locked onto one man on downfield routes, where I said before, if he's uh, kind of moving his eyes on those short to intermediate routes, one, two, three in his reads, um, when it's when it when it comes to excuse me, and when it comes to downfield throws, he tends to get locked onto one man, 
and we'll just throw it to him. Uh, he's only looking at that. And again, it needs to shorten and quicken the delivery. It showed up on both the Temple and VT tape as well. Tip balls at the line. Again, that's another problem that I noticed. Um, I think those are two of the biggest things that he'll need to clean up at the next level. You know, when you get even better uh, front sevens, when you get even better, um, you know, defensive lines, guys that are getting pressure on you quicker, um, you know, getting in passing lanes, I think that's going to need, need to be something that he works on. And then, uh, you know, arm strength makes up for tight windows is what I wrote down, but he runs the risk of interceptions outside the numbers of the next level. Again, third point in a row here that showed up on the Clemson tape as well was the fact that it goes back to that long delivery, right? He has the ability to throw into tight windows because he has a strong arm, but is he going to get in trouble with uh, that elongated delivery, that elongated um, throwing motion that's going to, you know, those passes are going to get intercepted to the next level. So a couple things that Daniel Jones need to work on. I was impressed by the tape overall. I think it can't be understated the fact that the the talent that he's working with at Duke uh, and, you know, going to the next level, uh, some of the talent that he should be surrounded by there, he should have playmakers to work with. So overall, Daniel Jones, I thought he graded out pretty well. I was impressed with some things. Uh, there are certainly things that, that you know, I want to see better from him that, you know, at it, right now, it, uh, you know, I would put Daniel Jones as my number two quarterback. Drew Locke would be my one, Dwayne Haskins three. And um, sorry for the little spoiler there, but Kyler Murray is somebody who I'm going to talk about here in a second and break down his film. He's going to be number, my number four quarterback, and I'm not really sure he's a first-round prospect. I know a lot of people are thinking he could be a top-10 guy and go to the either the Jags or uh, you know another team in the, inside the top-10. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't love it. Maybe even the Giants, I heard. But then again, they had said that that he's, you know, there was a report that he's not big enough for the Giants. Um, I don't know if that was an insider report, a team report, what, whatever that was. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think there's some inconsistency with Kyler Murray's game. So why don't we do that now and, br and jump right into his tape? Um, let me get my notes pulled up here on Kyler Murray. And a couple of the games that I looked at, um, West Virginia. Uh, UCLA and Ohio State, and then the Alabama game, the championship game. So why don't we start with the West Virginia tape, the one that I looked at first. And there's no question about it that Kyler Murray has elite athleticism. There is not a guy in this draft that probably has more upside than Kyler Murray just based on his, you know, I mean, he was a top 10 pick in baseball. He has this these feet that are just so quick. I mean, when he gets out of the pocket, he just looks like, you know, a jackrabbit. I mean, he's so fast and so, so quick and, and so elusive that, you know, that makes up for a lot of deficiencies. Now, the, I don't want to make it sound like there are a ton of deficiencies in Kyler Murray's games, but there are some things here I'm going to talk about that showed up that make me think that he's not a first-round pick, that he has a potential to be a bust. And there are a lot of things that concern me. It's not just the height. I don't really care about that. You know, there are guys like Russell Wilson and and other people who, um, you know, I've heard people want to compare Kyler Murray to that have success in this league. That's not the thing. Um, let's talk about some more of the pros first, though, then I'll get into the cons. The natural touch. I think he shows a natural touch on the football. Uh, 
I think some of this comes from just that that baseball background and ability to throw from a lot of different angles, a lot of different uh, you know bases with his feet, right? I mean, it, he doesn't have to be squared every time, whether he's rolling left, right, stepping up in the pocket. Um, he can throw the ball from a lot of different angles, from a lot of different bases. And that's something that can't be understated as well, right? I mean, this guy can make a lot of plays in a lot of different situations. And again, there's not many people in this draft who have higher upside because of that elite athleticism, that elite ability to just create plays at any time on at any point in the field. So he can make all the throws, right? The baseball background certainly comes into play. Now, the things that I didn't like from the West Virginia tape, I thought he showed some inconsistency when there was pressure in his face. He gets too excited in the pocket. There are things that uh, about his game when he's in the pocket that I don't like. He gets a little too excited. Um, he makes some bad reads. He's not he's not necessarily great with his timing uh, on the three and five step, you know, drop passes. Now, I also thought there were question marks about his accuracy, much like Daniel Jones, um, where we talk about Dwayne Haskins. Uh, not to harp on him too too much, but where he, I, I talked a lot about. Dwayne Haskins' ability to put the football on his receivers and give them the ability to run after the catch, to make help them make a play on the run where they don't have to slow down. Well, there are a lot of times on short crossing routes, short to intermediate routes, where Kyler Murray has a guy on the run, and it's either a little bit behind him, it's a little bit high, it's a little bit low, where the receiver has to stop for just a second, right? Has to just slow down for a split second, and that can make all the difference in the world between, you know, turning a five-yard catch and run into a first down and only picking up three or four yards and, and coming up short on maybe a key third down. So those are things that that he'll need to work on at the next level is throwing from the pocket with accuracy on short to intermediate routes and throwing with pressure in his face, especially, again, being being five foot, you know, nine or whatever he is, um, you know, it, it does... I'm not saying he can't do it, and I would love to see him do it. I, I know the you know people want to say, you know, they want to go after the big, tall, six four, six five, strong quarterbacks who can make every throw. I'm rooting for this kid a lot. I'm just worried about some of the things that show up on tape in the pocket that are going to hold him back. Now let's take a look at. Let's see what should we go to next here. I'm going to take a look at the um, the next two regular season games, UCLA and, sorry about that, UCLA and Iowa State. Um, I just kind of, again, muddled these notes together. I thought he moves his head and his eyes quickly from side to side, you know, when his first read isn't available, um, gets off his first read very quickly, which is good. Now, there were times in these games where I thought he did throw with good anticipation, uh, not so much in the West Virginia game. I thought he made some bad reads, but I thought he showed some good anticipation and uh, you know touched to outside, outside, excuse me, outside and down the field. He threw through with very good touch. Um, you know, he really has an effortless throwing motion when on the run, and this goes back to that baseball background that we talked about. It's just that ability to make plays in really any part of the field. When his body is contorted in any way possible, I mean, this guy can just make throws um, really, really anywhere in any situation. So I love that about his game is just that that really effortless throwing motion when he's on the run. 
Um, I think that's really going to serve him well at the next level, especially given his skill set where he can get out of the pocket and create plays. When he can just flick it, um, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield when he's moving up in the pocket or moving to his right, that's just another thing that defenses are going to have to deal with, uh, especially if he can make those throws accurately. Now, a couple of things I didn't like from these games. Um, and this really just harps on what I already talked about was the the tendency to be inaccurate on short crossing routes. Again, where he's just having receivers have to just hold up for a second. They just have to change, um, you know, they can't catch the ball fluidly in motion and turn up field and run. That's something, again, going to have to clean up. And I think he gives up too much yardage when scrambling. What I mean here is when he's actually past the line of scrimmage. Um, when he gets downfield, I, I, I actually think that he has a chance to pick up two to three more yards on plays where he can get two, three yards and still not take a hit and go down. He tends to just kind of go down sideways and lay down. It's weird. I It's not It's like not a sliding motion where he can get upfield and get a few more yards. He just will lay down. It, it It's strange to me, and it's not like he's going to take a hit either, um, but I think he needs to just have a little bit of more field awareness down the field. I think he gets really excited, and not to say he has bad vision. I mean, he's just a naturally good athlete. I just think there's some instances where he could have a little bit better vision, a little bit better feel um, for where defenders are down the field. And then finally, you know, I, I don't want to harp on I didn't have a ton there just because I think a lot of the same show, th- same things showed up from the West Virginia tape that I already talked about. The final game that I did look at was the Alabama tape, and let me get those uh, those notes pulled up here very quickly. Um, the exceptional quick feet we already talked about. The um, the ability to improvise isn't something that I, I I touched about talked about his athleticism, his lead athleticism, and his ability to make plays at any point in the field. But but the ability to improvise is really unmatched uh there's no other quarterback in this class that can kind of do what he does from just an improv standpoint uh and i i don't think that that can be overlooked is is that ability because um he 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 really is an exceptional playmaker and when things aren't there when things break down which is a lot of plays in the nfl um you know a lot of plays will break down you got to be able to make a play and and this is a guy that can definitely do that he has plenty of arm Plenty of arm, um, can really make any throw on the field. I think a lot of this, like Daniel Jones, it comes down to anticipation and timing. Sometimes in the pocket on those three and five step drops, like we talked about, he won't, uh, he just won't throw with with good enough anticipation, um, good enough timing. But excuse me, I think that you know he definitely has plenty of arm, and if he can get his his uh, pocket game down and work on those things, I think he he will be very dangerous. Um, again, throws very well in the move. Now, he will make some ill-advised throws into coverage. The West Virginia game, um, the Alabama game where, you know, he's throwing into double-triple coverage. There was one play where it, it was a deep tight end crossing route, uh, I think about 15 to 20 yards down the field, and he threw into triple coverage, and he did that a few times this game where where it's just, like what are you looking at type of thing even on the replay um and that's just again something that he's going to need to work on from the pocket is is the decision making the timing the anticipation and the accuracy and look the lack of height it does lead to some tip passes when throwing from the pocket um again it's just something that he's gonna have to work on he's gonna be have to be aware about um 
teams are going to have to get creative at times to help him with, you know, with getting him, I should say, setting, putting him in situations where he can make, um, you know, make those throws and, and, and not have to worry about getting a lot of passes tipped at the line of scrimmage. And the inaccuracy again shows up in, on the Alabama tape, just in the pocket is, um, you know, throwing the ball with accuracy inside the tackle box. So, you know, again, outside the pocket, when he's rolling left or right, you know, this guy can, I've said this like five times now, but he can really make a lot, a lot of throws. It's just about what he does inside the pocket. So Kyler Murray is my number four quarterback. Those concerns that I have about his pocket game, his pocket passing game, are really, really concerning for me. More concerning than any of the other quarterbacks in this class so far. Daniel Jones is another guy who I'm struggling with between him and Dwayne Haskins. I've kind of gone back and forth. I'm still going to stick with Drew Locke as my number one quarterback, but I'll go Daniel Jones number two for now, Dwayne Haskins three, and then Kyler Murray four. Um, But we'll see how this thing shakes out in May uh, or April, May in the draft, Um, and uh, it should be really interesting where all these quarterbacks kind of wind up. So on the next few podcasts, on the next few series, we are going to talk about wide receivers and running backs. And certainly this is where the fantasy talk even gets more, um, you know, a little bit more hyped up, right? Is, is uh, you know, these positions are definitely more of a premium, certainly in fantasy football. Um, not to say that, in you know, in dynasty drafts and rookie drafts, guys like Haskins and Jones and Murray um, and Locke are going to be going to be drafted um, potentially in the you know, second, third, fourth rounds of, of dynasty drafts. But when we get into the meat of things, when we get into the wide receivers and running backs, this is where it gets really fun. So I will have, uh, you know, some more podcasts coming out here soon. I'm probably going to stick to the one a week for the time being, maybe two a week if, if we're feeling ambitious, but um, one a week here for sure. And, uh, but yeah, until next time, everybody, thanks again for listening to Pad the Stats. Again, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. Um, Spotify, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I appreciate you, everybody who downloads the episodes, who listens to the, listens to the podcast, and we, we really do appreciate the, the support. So um, until next time, everybody, have a good day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.